Book Two, Chapter Three of Camilla. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nadine Cartboulet. Camilla, or a Picture of Youth, by Fanny Burney. Book Two, Chapter Three. A Family Breakfast. In their way home, Edgar apologized to Camilla for again foregoing the promised pleasure of dancing with her by explaining the situation of the ensign. Camilla, internally persuaded that any reason would suffice for such an arrangement, where Indiana was its object, scarce listened to an excuse which she considered as unnecessary. Indiana was eager to view in the glass how her dress and ornaments had borne the shaking of the dance, and curiously impatient to look anew at a face and a figure of which no self-vanity, nor even the adulation of Miss Markland, had taught her a consciousness such as she had acquired from the adventures of this night. She hastened, therefore, to her apartment as soon as she arrived at Cleves, and there indulged in an examination which forbade all surprise, and commended equal justice for the admirers and the admired. Miss Markland, anxious to make her own report to Sir Hugh, accompanied Camilla and Eugenia to his room, where he was still sitting up for them. She expatiated upon the behaviour of young Mendelbert, in terms that filled the baronet with satisfaction. She exulted in the success of her own measures, and, sinking the circumstance of the intended impartiality of Edgar, enlarged upon his dancing out of his turn with Indiana, as at an event which manifested his serious designs beyond all possibility of mistake. Sir Hugh, in the fullness of his content, promised that when the wedding-day arrived they should all have as fine new gowns as the bride herself. The next morning, not considering that every one else would require unusual repose, he got up before his customary hour, from an involuntary hope of accelerating his favourite project. But he had long the breakfast-parlour to himself, and became so fatigued and discomfited by fasting and waiting, that when Indiana, who appeared last, but for whom he insisted upon staying, entered the room, he said, "'My dear, I could really find a pleasure in giving you a little scold, if it were not for setting a bad example which God forbid. And, indeed, it's not so much your fault as the balls, to which I can never be a sincere friend, unless it be just to answer some particular purpose.' Miss Markland defended her pupil, and called upon Mendelbert for assistance, which he readily gave." Sir Hugh then was not merely appeased but gratified, and declared, the next moment, with a marked smile at Indiana, that his breakfast had not relished so well for a twelvemonth, owing to the advantage of not beginning till he had got an appetite. Soon after, Lionel, galloping across the park, hastily dismounted and scampered into the parlour. The zealot for every species of sport, the candidate for every order of whim, was the light-hearted, mirthful Lionel. A stranger to reflection, and incapable of care, laughter seemed not merely the bent of his humour, but the necessity of his existence. He pursued it at all seasons, he indulged it upon all occasions. With excellent natural parts, he trifled away all improvement. Without any ill-temper, he spared no one's feelings. Yet, though not radically vicious, nor deliberately malvolent, the egotism which urged him to make his own amusement his first pursuit, sacrificed his best friends and first duties if they stood in its way. 
"'Come, my little girls, come,' cried he, as he entered the room. "'Get your hats and cloaks as fast as possible. "'There is a public breakfast at Northwick, and you are all expected without delay.' This sudden invitation occasioned a general commotion. Indiana gave an involuntary jump. Camilla and Eugenia looked delighted, and Miss Markland seemed ready to second the proposition. But Sir Hugh, with some surprise, exclaimed, "'A public breakfast, my dear boy!' Why, where's the need of that when we have got so good a private one? Oh, let us go, let us go, uncle, cried Indiana. Miss Markland, do pray speak to my uncle to let us go. Indeed, sir, said Miss Markland, it is time now, in all conscience, for the young ladies to see a little more of the world, and that it should be known who they are. I am sure they have been immured long enough, and I only wish you had been at the ball last night, sir, yourself. Me, Mrs. Markland? "'Lord, help me! What should I do at such a thing as that, with all this gout in my hip?' "'You would have seen, sir, the fine effects of keeping the young ladies out of society in this manner. Miss Camilla, if I had not prevented it, would have danced with I don't know who, and as to Miss Eugenia, she was as near as possible to not dancing at all, owing to nobody's knowing who she was.' Sir Hugh had no time to reply to this attack, from the urgency of Indiana and the impetuosity of Lionel, who— applying to Camilla, said, "'Come, child, ask my uncle yourself, and then we shall go at once.' Camilla readily made it her own request. "'My dear,' answered Sir Hugh, "'I can't be so unnatural to deny you a little pleasure, knowing you to be such a merry little whirligig. Not but what you'd enjoy yourself just as much at home if they had let you alone. However, as Indiana's head is so much turned upon it, for which I beg you won't think the worse of her, Mr. Mandelbert, it being no more than the common fault of a young person no older than her. Why, you must all go, I think, provided you're not satisfied already, which, by the breakfast you have made, I should think likely enough to be the case. They then eagerly arose, and the females hastened to make some change in their dress. Sir Hugh, calling Eugenia back, said, As to you, my little classic, I make but small doubt you will be half ready to break your heart at missing your lesson, knowing hick, haig, Hawk, to be dearer to you, and for good reasons enough too, in the end, than all the hopping and skipping in the world. So if you had rather stay away, don't mind all those dances, for so I must needs call them, in comparison to you and Dr. Augborn, though without the least meaning to undervalue them. Eugenia frankly acknowledged she had been much amused the preceding evening, and wished to be again of the party. Why then, if that's the case, said the baronet, the best way will be for Dr. Orkborn to be your squire, by which means you may have a little study as you go along, to the end that the less time may be thrown away in doing nothing. Eugenia, who perceived no objection to this idea, assented and went quietly upstairs to prepare for setting out. Sir Hugh, by no means connecting the laughter of Lionel, nor the smile of Edgar, with his proposal, gravely repeated it to Dr. Orkborn, adding, and if you want a nice pair of gloves, doctor, not that I make the offer in any detriment to your own, but I had six new pair come home just before my gout, which, I can assure you, have never seen the light since, and are as much at your service as if I had bespoke them on purpose. The mirth of Lionel grew now so outrageous that Dr. Orkborn, much offended, walked out of the room without making any answer. "'There is something,' cried Sir Hugh after a pause, in this man of learning, prodigious nice to deal with. 
However, not understanding them, in point of their maxims, it's likely enough I may have done something wrong, for he could not have seemed much more affronted if I had told him I had six new pair of gloves lying by me, which he should be never the better for. When they were all ready, Sir Hugh, calling to Edgar, said, Now, as I don't much trust to have my girls go to these sort of places often, which is a prudence that I dare say you approve as much as myself, I would wish to have the most made of them at once. And therefore, as I've no doubt but they'll strike up a dance, after having eat what they think proper, why I would advise you, Mr. Mandelbert, to let Indiana trip it away till she's heartily tired, for else she'll never give it up with a good grace of her own accord. Certainly, sir, answered Edgar, I shall not hurry the ladies. Oh, as to any of the rest, interrupted Sir Hugh, they'll be as soon satisfied as yourself, except, lowering his voice, Mrs. Margland, who, between friends, seems to me as glad as one of those freaks as when she was but sixteen, which how long it is since she was no more I can pretend to say, being a point she never mentions. Then, addressing them in general, I wish you a good breakfast, he cried, with all my heart, which I think you pretty well deserve, considering you go so far for it, with one close at your elbow, but just swallowed. And so, my dear Indiana, I hope you won't tie Mr. Mandelbert more than can't be avoided. How came you to engage Indiana again, Mandelbert? cried Lionel, in their way to the carriage. Because, said Miss Markland, finding he hesitated, there is no other partner so proper for Miss Lindmere. And pray what's the matter with me? Why am not I as proper as Mandelbert? Because you are her relation, to be sure. Well, cried he, vaulting his horse, if I meet but the widow, I shall care for none of you. End of chapter 3